But this time around, the Lord told me to wait a bit and to speak to me some personal things that I want to speak to all of you. And uh, allow me to read 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11 from 28. 1 Kings chapter 11 from verse 28. But I can begin from 26 to capture the whole story. 1 Kings chapter 11 from verse 26. The Bible says the following. And Jeroboam, son of Nebat, an Ephrathite of Zerida, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hands against the king. 27. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breaches of the city of David, his father. 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the church of the house of Joseph. 29. And it came to pass at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, and the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. 30. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and rent it in twelve pieces. 31. And he said to Jeroboam, Take the ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. 32. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. 33. Because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in my eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as David is father. 34. Albeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hands, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David, my servant's sake, whom I chose. Because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto the son will, and unto his son will I give one tribe that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have so chosen for me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all thy soul desireth, and shall be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou shalt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and I will build thee a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel unto thee, and I will cut forth, and I will, I will for this afflict the seed of David, 
but not forever. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam, and Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, and to Shishak of King Egypt, and was in Egypt's, uh, Egypt until the death of Solomon. We turn to chapter 12, we read again the conclusion of the story. Chapter 12, uh, allow me begin from verse 25 again to verse 33. The Bible says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went out from thence, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. 27, if these people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of these people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. 28, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem, Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. 29. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. 30. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the, lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. 32. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the thirteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves uh, that he had made. And he placed them in Bethel, the priest of the high places which he had made. 33. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel, the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own art, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. Father, we progress by your word, so bless it for the sake of your son, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about the four locations of a general. And we have read the story of Jeroboam, it's been a long story, but it is important to capture it in its entirety. And as I speak, I plead with you to open your heart, because this is a very, very strong word. The Lord wants to speak to us men and all those who shall participate in fasting this week. From the story of Jeroboam, we learned, we learned the following. That any man, as ordinary as he is, can become anything the Lord had ordained in this life, provided the following happens. Number one, provided is in the right place at the right time. When seasons happen and is in the right place at the right time, his blessing will begin to manifest. Number two, this man, as we have seen, Jeroboam was in Jerusalem. Initially was not raised there, but he found himself there. After a while, the king over the city and over the whole land began to notice him. Meaning, number two, if you are noticed by the right person, 
Remember, you are in the right place. Now, number two, you are being noticed by the right person. Good things begin to happen to you. But apart from that, the man did not just get noticed by the king. The man got noticed by the most respected prophet of his days. Number three, now this man has what you call a divine encounter. And with this divine encounter, he is given a whole bunch of keys to unlock a future he did not know God had planned for him. Finally, he had his opportunity to sit on his throne and reign. And as he reigned, he made decisions. Some were foolish, some were wise. But there is something that is the fifth thing that is like the master key I want us to get. Remember, he was in the right place at the right time. He met the right man who was the king. Then he had divine encounter through a prophet. Then he was given a throne and he ruled on it. But number five, which is the most important. And this is what has determined whether men have made it or they did not make it. The man, I keep telling close friends of mine, was blessed, but he was not broken. The God who was busy blessing him was a stranger. No wonder he could go and erect altars against that very God. A man can be in the right place at the right time. A man can meet the right political connections, the right social connections. A man can even meet a prophet and meet God himself in the flesh. A man can be given a throne and he can sit on it till we see with our two eyes. But if the man is not broken, this is what will happen. Instead of God being lifted up, his own monument will be lifted up. The first king of Israel, as we know, was Saul. And Saul, at one point when things were really going well, he went down and he raised a monument to himself. Another man who got the brief to be king just for a few weeks called Absalom immediately took over and he discovered, oh my God, I don't have a son. He went and raised a monument for himself. Anytime people begin to raise monuments, it is a sign on the inside they are empty. They need something on the outside to complement for the emptiness. And as a result, they are signing their own death certificate in the place of greatness. Even David came close to raising a monument. The Bible says after he had sinned with Bathsheba and he had killed his, the, the, the husband, the Bible says they took a weighty crown of gold and beautiful pearls and they put it on the head of David for the first time in his life. David wore a heavy crown. Previously, David was not a man of crowns. David was a man of worship and songs and dancing. How can you be busy bowing down and worshiping God and dancing and still you have a crown? David realized a crown is an encumbrance for those who truly want to worship God. But on this day when he's feeling empty because he has done a sin, he demanded that a crown be placed on him. But it was not a crown of the God of Israel. It was a crown from a conquered heathen king. 
So I want us to look at these five things. Because if you will be obedient and you pray through them, the Lord will not only lead you on the, on, on the path of greatness, but even when you reach the peak, your greatness will not be lost. Are we ready? We have begun by saying Jeroboam was in the right place, but this place had a name. This place was called Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not just a city. Jerusalem is a place of reality. Jerusalem is a place of experience. Jerusalem is a place of manifestation. Jerusalem means peace. There is nothing the more I am meeting great men. There is nothing the more I am meeting great women is lacking in the lives of so many like what we call peace. One of the greatest religions with the most uh, multitude of numbers is called Buddhism. But what is Buddhism? Buddhism is a path of pursuing inner peace. These people are not looking for God. They are looking for peace. If you ask a Buddhist, why do you meditate? Why do you cut yourself? Why do you shave yourselves? Why do you wear those things you are wearing? Why do your monks go to the, to the mountains full of ice and they stay there, you know, killing their flesh? They will tell you, we are looking for inner peace. And most of them do not have it. Anytime you pronounce the name Mohammed, Prophet Mohammed, what do you finish by saying? Peace be upon him. Because there is no peace upon Muhammad. The Buddhists are looking for peace. The Muslims also are looking for peace. But there is no peace outside Jerusalem. I beg you men, the first day, let us ask the Lord to lead us to the place of peace. And to pluck our feet from every place of lack of peace. Because... Like I preached one time, the God of peace is the one who will crush Satan, not the God of war. Nothing crushes Satan like peace. The journey to the greatest destiny will always begin from the place of peace. Meaning people, before they can fail, they must fail first in the place of peace. Oh, I don't know what happened for me to get the wrong business partner. Wait, 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 wait. Did you have peace when you were beginning? Did you have peace? I am not so sure. Oh, next time when you are really sure you had peace, you will get the answer of where the rain began to beat you. Why am I speaking this to fellow men? Because men tend to be led by logic. Men tend to be led by reasoning. I'm sorry, I'm stepping on your shoes. Eh? Men tend to be led by logic. Men tend to be led by reasoning. Men tend to be led by empirical deductions. If, if, if I add this and I get this, it will be equal to this, which is greater than this. So, let me go this way. And none pursues peace. The Bible says, pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace by which no one will see the Lord. Peace. Jeroboam moves from the place called the, the land of the Ephrathites, where even Samuel dwelt, and he came to Jerusalem, the place of peace. From that place, he could begin by reigning. From that place, he could begin by acquiring more connections. From that place of peace, he could begin his ascent to the top. 
some of you, you know very well, you have objects in your houses, you have connections on your phones, you have appointments, you are rushing to meet, and in the inside of you, you don't have peace. The Lord is saying to you, the first day of your prayer, locate the place of peace. Locate the place of peace. And some of you know very well you are not doing the prayer in the hour God has told you. You are not doing the prayer with the intensity the Lord has told you. You are praying but you do not have peace about your own prayers. Go back to peace. Tell your neighbor, go back to peace. I was reading a, a document. I was watching a documentary about the Second World War, which was led by this guy called David Eisenhower, who progressed to become president. And they used to say of Eisenhower, all his generals could come and look at everything on the table when they were done. Eisenhower could say, give me a few minutes. Then he could step back. If Eisenhower had peace with what you're suggesting, he could tell you proceed. If he did not have peace, he could thrash it and say, till I get back to you, nobody moves. So on this day, they are going to attack the famous Normandy. They had calculated, they had a metrologist among them. So they had calculated, if we go tomorrow, we will arrive before the rains began to pound. And they came to us and uh, General, we want to go. And I said, wait. And something told him, can you contact a certain metrologist from Britain for a second opinion? The man came and he told Eisenhower, postpone this thing by three days. And immediately said three days, Eisenhower had peace. After three days now, they went to attack Normandy. And things went to the clinical precision as they had estimated. Initially, there were facts. But now, there was peace. No great journey to any great victory can start before you arrive at the place of peace. So this man is born outside Jerusalem. He comes to Jerusalem. He sits in Jerusalem. Then things begin to happen. And I was telling friends of mine, some of them are watching, are looking at me now. I will do anything for peace, including sleep or eating. If it is eating which will give me peace, before I do what I need to do, I will eat. If it is sleeping, I'll sleep. If it is shouting, just swap the peace. Before I step out, I will do it. Why? A man with peace is a man with half the battle fought and won. And a man with no peace is a man with half the battle lost. The days I used to use matatu. If I don't have peace about a certain matatu, I don't bother it. However late I'm getting. Why? I had lost, some of you know what I'm talking about. I had lost my wallet there. I had, one, one of these times my suit was torn. Another time somebody just began to pick on me and abuse me. And the old matatu was like, what is going on? Another time you sit next to a guy who has real issues. By the time you reach your destination, the whole journey has proved to be a long one. Why? You did not board in peace. So, pastor, I come in peace. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, first things first, peace. Number two, a man must locate, like, uh, who was this? 
Jeroboam, a man must locate kingly anointing. First, first thing is peace. Second thing, kingly anointing. Because the kingly anointing is different from the anointing of the prophet. What is kingly anointing? I've ever gone to a building or an office in this city. And you said, I have been sent by so and so. And immediately, doors began to open for you. Or you begin to quote so and so as a relative. And immediately, doors begin to open for you. Or you begin to say, I am associated with so and so. And immediately, doors began to open for you. Kings have authority. Kings have authority. When Jeroboam had peace, but now he had the kingly anointing. He began to see doors open for him. Previously, he was just a commoner. But now, courtesy of the kingly anointing upon Solomon, Jeroboam began to have influence. Jeroboam began to have substance. Jeroboam began to have, uh, you know, a place of authority. Amen. A kingly anointing is not just on the president or on a member of parliament. I am talking about a kingly anointing. There are men who carry it. There are women who carry it. And sometimes, yes, you have peace, but is the king with you? Sometimes, yes, I have peace about this business, but has the king approved? Sometimes, yes, I have peace about this venture I am going into, but as the king approved. And some of you, you need to just go and pray the second day. Lord, show me where my kings are, because we have kings everywhere. The Lord only needs to open our eyes to see it. My brother used to complain, my younger brother, that I could not do any major thing before consulting with some people. And sometimes even bringing them to my house physically and telling them, hey, I want to do this. What do you think? I want to do this. Can you pray with me? And I told him, one day you'll understand that there are people, then there are kings. <laughs> there are people, then there are kings. Yes, you have peace, but without the weight of the king coming on you and backing you up, you may find some doors saying, who are you? So and so we know, so and so we know, but who are you? Every day we're doing counseling. We meet people who led themselves into things. Oh, I had peace. I just went and did it. But who was your witness? Did the king witness? In the morning, pastor was saying how the king took his signet ring and he gave it to Mordecai. Previously, because he did not have that signet ring, where was he? Where was he sitting? At the gate as a watchman. The king lifts his signet like this and the man's fortunes begin to change. Since I came to this church, I have seen people lead themselves. I have seen people organize themselves. I have seen people even planning trips and informing no one. And I wondered, do these people know what it takes to walk successfully on any path that man are called to walk in? You is organizing this meeting. Is the signet with you? Do you have the authority? But I felt we had resources. Good. But the Bible talks about power and authority. Do you have authority? Authority is with the king. 
Oh, I had peace just to go start my business in Karioko because I had the capital. Did the king come and say, in the name of the Lord whom I serve, take the blessing? <laughs> Nowadays, Christians are quoting democracy. You think the Bible was written due to democracy? The Bible is not a democratic book. It is a theocratic book. It is a book where the Lord Jesus is king and his word is final. And things must be done his way. So yes, you have initiated this project, but is the signet with you? Jeroboam, you have ability. Jeroboam, you have talent. You have potential. But Jeroboam, Solomon needs to back you up. Solomon needs to come and raise his hand and place it on you. And God knows, those who live with me knows, there are little, little steps I don't make before I have gotten the signet from the representatives of the king of kings. Why? Before the signet, there is no pushover through those doors. And sometimes when I see a door, you know, not opening, and I have confirmed I had peace about this door, I have, I have consulted the, the representatives of the king, then I have a, a right to say, Lord, why are you not fulfilling your word? And suddenly, the Lord will command that door to open. How do you crush poverty? Men. How do you crush frustrations in your business? Men. How do you crush frustration in your parenting? Men. How do you crush frustration in your career? Men. How do you crush frustration in your, in your day-to-day -day life? Number one, begin from peace. Number two, get the anointing of the king. It almost tempts me to teach on authority again. But God, those with ears will go to telegram and hear what was once spoken about authority. But so many are frustrated, not because they don't have the Holy Spirit, but because they don't have the kingly backing. What they have is just peace and excitement, but they don't have the coordination with the king. So Elijah, no, Elisha, looks at Geazi, and he tells Geazi, my, my friend, where did you go? Oh, where did you go? And Elisha tells him, did not my spirit go with you when you went to that man and you took those raiments and those gold? Did not my spirit go with you? This is the meaning of it, people. Anytime God brings you under an authority, you become one spirit. When you begin sinning, the authority will also be seeing and feeling you are not doing right. When you begin to do right, the authority will keep feeling all right and all right. Anytime you move out of the way, the authority will automatically feel, mm-mm, this man is losing it. When you look at the story of Saul, Saul, Samuel could know when the young man was deviating, even before he has reported that he's deviating. Samuel could know it. Simfani makarusha mantola sema. Nyinyi watu kujeni kesho. Anyway. 
Check your signet. <laughs> All the subjects are in need of the water. <laughs> Let's keep going. Anytime you come under a leadership or under a relationship where somebody is up and you are down, immediately you become one spirit. To go off is meaning the spirit with which you have come into contact will also follow you as you are going off. Not to cheer you up, but to judge you. Not to cheer you up, but to rebuke you. And many, I repeat, are not succeeding because they had peace, but they did not have coordination with the kingship. They did not have coordination with the mantle of authority. I was telling a, a friend of mine here, there are many who falsely blame the evangelists. They blame the evangelists for going to the, to the, to the stadiums to pray for the sick instead of going to the hospitals. How many have had such kind of rumors? If these people are really powerful, why don't they go to the hospitals? Let me give you the answer for them. Can I give you the answer? Tell them this. The evangelist has power to heal. But the authority de depends on where the Lord leads him. Authority is relative. Power is substantive. Power is stable. Power is always there. But authority is never there. I cannot go and stand outside there and begin teaching like a rabbi. Even the city council will come and arrest me for an illegal meeting. What is the issue? The issue is not that I don't have power to preach. The issue is that I don't have the what? Authority. So Jesus said, I give you what? Power and authority. Peace will give you power. But the king will give you authority. Say that. Why must the king give you authority? Because wherever you are going to do that business of yours with your peace, it is his jurisdiction. Oh, I've been told by peace to go east. That east is under a king. Oh, I've been told by my, the peace I am feeling to, 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 to go to the west. That west as a king, it is a realm of a certain king. But moving on to number three. The man had peace. Number two, he had authority from a king. Number three, as we have read at length, now he had what we call an encounter. Somebody say encounter. This will shock you. There is something greater than peace. There is something greater than any king. It is called a personal encounter. Because out of the personal encounter, even the peace you are having before can be overwritten. It can be cancelled. In a personal encounter, even the king who was high-fiving you and telling you it is well, you can be told in that encounter, the Lord whom you have met has overthrown him and has rejected him. Are you hearing me? Nothing beats a personal encounter. When Saul of Tarsus had his personal encounter, everything he had been taught as a Pharisee about the way of Jesus was overturned on the spot. 
Even the letters he had from the high priest, they became nothing. Do you think these letters were a joke? These letters were like visas to enter foreign territories and to plunder and persecute. When he had this encounter, those letters came to nothing. I want to beg you people, especially you who are going to pray. We are going to ask for peace. Good. We are going to ask the Lord to open our eyes to see the kings and to begin cooperating with our kings. Good. But most importantly, we are going to ask the Lord for a personal encounter. When you look at the Bible, and I want you to read your Bible with revelation. When you look at your Bible, the life history of Jeroboam about his mother and where he was born and everything, it is written in one verse. But the encounter he had with the prophet is written almost in seven to eight verses. Go check First uh, Kings chapter 11, the one we have read. The encounter with the prophet is written in several chapters, several verses. But the life history about how he was born, about how he lived, that one was captured in one little uh, paragraph. What is the meaning of this? As I've told you, a king can give you authority. In your heart, you can have peace. But when an encounter happens, even the things you have known in your heart may suddenly be summarized, either to nothing, or they may be summarized to something. There was a place for skills. There was a place for talent. There was a place for connections. Connections to the king. Connections to the royal officials. But there was a place encounter alone could take Jeroboam. As long as Jeroboam is friends with Solomon, what was happening? This is what was happening. He was having what we call royal connections. But he took an encounter to redefine that royalty that he was connected to itself. The encounter now reduced this royalty to ten tribes for Jeroboam, two tribes for David. And you can ask me, man of God, how do I get an encounter? How do I provoke an encounter? How do I facilitate an encounter? Apart from Jeroboam, I want to give you like two, three examples of how to provoke an encounter. Are you ready? Number one. And that is the most common in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. Do not take casually the men and women of God God brings you away. Do not take casually. Do not take casually the men and the women God brings you away. Jeroboam has a few minutes to spend with the hijack. And thank God, the Bible says, when they met, he was not meeting a man. He was meeting a prophet. When they met, he was not meeting a fellow citizen. He was meeting a prophet. Today, I tell you the truth. Many look forward to familiarizing with men of God, not receiving through the men of God. Many look forward to high-fiving them and getting familiar with them. No wonder the encounter they were to provoke or to receive through this man, they are not receiving. 
So Jeroboam meets Elijah, and immediately the Bible says he met the prophet Elijah. He didn't meet Elijah, who was claimed to be a prophet. No, it was without doubt. Do you know what blocks the encounter? When men begin to doubt, when men begin to take casually the authority and the power God has put upon certain vessels. Uh, I think he's a, he's a pastor, but uh, I think he's uh, just maybe a deacon, I'm not sure. So how are you going to tap from that person? Yet your title on him is already vague. Oh, I think he's called by God, but I think he's just talented. Mm, maybe he's called, maybe, maybe he's talented, we'll see. And today we have a lot of speculators. A lot of speculators. Men who meet men of God and women of God, but they meet them speculatively. They don't meet them with the revelation. So Jesus tells Peter and his group, as you go, Matthew 10, as you go, whoever receives you, he receives me. Whoever rejects you, he rejects me. Now go, be rejected or be received. But as you are received, they are receiving me. As they are rejecting, they are rejecting me. Not everywhere did Jesus go and lives were changed. No. Not all lives were changed. When Bartimaeus is getting healed, there are also other six people around there. There are also other broke people around there. But there is one who said, Son of David, not you passenger passing. Son of David, I see you walking like everybody walking, but you are not just a passenger. You are a son of David. The other guy is watching Jesus passing. Hey, why is he having such a crowd passing with him? Uh, they are just seeing a passenger. But, but Miles knows, my encounter is with this man. My encounter is with this man. I need to place a demand on him. Jesus. There is a way to provoke encounter. Place a demand. Do you know, pastor, even this altar can give you an encounter. You only need to put a demand. Sometimes I'm praying, I'm praying, then I feel, uh uh, where I have now reached, this floor is not enough. I need an altar to cement what is going on in my spirit. What am I doing? I am placing a demand on the altar. And sometimes I feel, no, 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 no. I will not just come kneel empty handed. I need to put something on top. What am I doing? I am placing demand. Sometimes I feel, no, 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 no. I will make a vow that I will see through that I follow. What am I doing? Ah, uh, I am placing a demand. Thank God you have peace about your life. Good. Thank God you have the king. But do you have a demand on the anointing for encounter? And that is why when we are praying, let us not be religious during fasting. When you are praying in fasting, the Lord may lead you to make a vow. The Lord may lead you even to give an offering. The Lord may lead you to look for a certain man or a woman of God and you kneel down and you receive virtue. What will you be doing? You will be accelerating your path to greatness. <clears throat> a few months ago, I went somewhere to meet a man whom I really love. Such a dear friend. When I arrived where we are meeting, we are fived, we hugged. You know, we shook each other the way men do when they are excited. Then we sat down and he paid for the, for the food we ate. When he was done, we began to storytell. Then he told me, I think uh, we need to pray over this issue. The Lord told me, don't pray. And I'm like, Lord, but he has mentioned a need. The Lord said he has mentioned it to a friend, not to a man of God. 
Go back till he's a, man, he's a man looking for a man of God. Then your prayers will work. Right now you are two friends meeting. It is not a man of God meeting a man in need. So there is no demand on your anointing. There is familiarity courtesy of friendship. Jesus said, ah, had these things been done in this other place, there will be more output. But here, I am just a son born around here. People of God, listen to me. As you go to this week, this should not just be another thing called an altar. This should be a thing to enable you to put a demand and get higher. The man seated here should not just be a man with a title. It should be a man you put a demand and you begin to pluck a certain encounter. You begin to pluck a certain kind of backing. The friend you are sitting next to, who is agreeing with you, with you in prayer or is your prayer partner, should not just be another friend. It should also be a point of contact to put a demand. So he met Elijah the prophet. He didn't meet Elijah, a citizen. Remember, at this time, Jeroboam is already an official in the king's business. But when he meets the prophet, prophet is prophet, official is official. But now, I need to hear what the Lord is saying. And the Lord spoke to him, what that changes life forever. I cannot overemphasize the need to put demands in order for you to have your encounter. The Lord loves you so much. He does not want you to spend several years, some people have spent, getting that single thing you need. Put a demand on the person who has already received it. Humble yourself and you will receive grace. There is a grace you receive through humility. How do you humble yourself? Lift another above you and let what he carries fall on you. Till you lift the other, whatever he carries cannot fall on you. I've watched families during birthday parties. It is a social affair. Few invite a man with an anointing and then they put demand. I've watched families during their graduations. What they do mostly, they make it a social affair and a point of contact to, you know, rub the ego of the graduate or whoever he is. And I've always been told by the Lord. Can I tell you what I've always been told? The time is too short. Make every use of it to climb to the top. The time is this short. A little while, that friend will not be there. A little while, that vessel will not be there. A little while, that favor you are busy enjoying will not be there. A little while, that access you have may not be there. I love how a woman of God once said, Rebecca Brown, if you need a prayer, a prayer partner to agree with you in a prayer of agreement and you discover there is no physical human being, do you know what to do? You tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, on this one, you are now my prayer partner. And you press on. <laughs> oh, I say, what an aggressive woman. Hallelujah. Number four. Jeroboam does what I want to rebuke you. No, not rebuke you, warn you never to do. Number one, Jeroboam had peace. Then he had the kingly anointing. 
he had an encounter. And I've always said from this pulpit, we are a product of our encounters. The man with no encounter has no divinity. The one with the encounter has divinity. The one with the encounter has God. The one without an encounter has no God. He may love God, he may cry to God, he may pray to God, but he does not have God. When you got saved, that was an encounter. But the Lord wanted more, more encounters, more encounters. How many are going to desire for more encounters? You are going to pray, Lord, give me encounters. Even me, I need more. Hallelujah. Number four, Jeroboam has had an encounter. Now he does what men have been known to do to their own downfall. What does he do? He raises a monument. He begins a project. He begins a he begins a building project to build his own monument. I love what the Bible says after his own art. Do you know why people build monuments apart from just vanity? They build monuments because the resources are too much and they don't know what to do with the resources. Every civilization, they begin by desiring peace with their neighbors. After a while, they just want to uh, you know, progress through proper connections. After a while, they just want God to bless them. But after a while, they have too much. They don't know what to do with it. And that begins their downfall. I look at Dubai, I see people now in what we call monumental stage of their growth and their prosperity. I look at Qatar and all these places. I see people have now eat the mark. They can only but become monument builders. We have built this just to remind ourselves. Previously, you just trying to survive. Now you are just trying to scratch your head and remind yourself. The founding fathers in America were so revered till they began to build monuments for them, both in Washington and on Mount Rushmore. They began to put their faces there. And anytime somebody could pass from Washington, he could see those monuments and bow. And they did not know that was the beginning of the end of the influence the founding fathers had had on that land. And do you know one? Nothing brings punishment in a family or in an individual's life like a monument. Another word for monument is idols. And many of you, you will go in prayer the Lord will begin, you will begin to demolish some idols in your family. The Lord may begin to demand, demolish the idol of mammon. Demolish the idol of witchcraft. Demolish the idol of pride. Demolish the idol of wickedness. Demolish the idol of vanity. Demolish it. Because initially you are so sweet, you only want peace, then you move to, from peace, you now just want the king to be in good terms with you, you are getting those connections, after a while you are moving forward, now you have an encounter, then you want a monument with which you will be remembered. And before you know it, you are, you are on your way to destruction. 
Saul built a monument. Absalom built a monument. Nebuchadnezzar built a monument. And all these monument builders, they were judged never to rise again. And today I know you are broke. I know you do not know architecture like Aliso. So you may not construct a physical building. But in your head there is a monument. You need to go pull it down. In your head or in your heart there is a monument. In your father's house there is a certain monument. You need to pluck it down. And why do you do this? So that the Lord can give you his own name as a guarantee of your legacy. The Lord can take his name and give it to you and swear that I will cement myself to you. Nothing will ever remove you. But if he does not do it and you try to do it, you'll be setting up yourself for destruction. So this week, we are praying for peace. This week, we are praying for the kingly backing. This week, we are praying for encounters. But this week, we are also demolishing idols. Some of them, you may not demolish physically, but you can demolish the power behind them spiritually. And I wish we had like two hours to go. My God, I will lead us in a prayer of demolishing idols. Because nothing offends God like an idol. I was relating to some friends a story of a group of young men and young women who are in a prayer group. And their pastor was also a young man in South Korea. He came over to Kenya and a friend of mine met him. And Jesus began to walk physically to meet these people and to bless them and to chat with them. And they could feel so sweet and he went around. But there were two men he refused to shake hands with. There are two men he could not physically appear to. He's appearing to everybody, but not these two. And this one began to intercede, Lord, why don't you appear to brother so-and-so? Why don't you appear to brother so-and-so? The Lord said, there is deep root of idolatry in their family. They have worshipped idols for generations. I cannot appear to them till they have dealt with that root. I have never seen something the Lord hates, apart from immorality, like idolatry. Because idolatry directly empowers hell to come and contend against the glory of God. Idolatry directly allows hell to come and stop the Holy Ghost from having his place. Are you people hearing me? And are you people opening your hearts? You need to sniff, you need to discern any idol that is at stage one growing in your family. You need to tell the Lord, bring it down. Because the day an idol rises, God must, God must run away. He cannot compete. He cannot share glory with another. There are some people here, the Lord is telling me to tell you, go and bring down the idolatry of pride and vanity in your family. Go bring it down. What is vanity? One time I went to a conference as a young man. I was 18. Mombasa Pentecostal Church. There was a conference. And a man of God came all the way from, I won't mention where. And he carried his Bible. He came with it to the pulpit. And what was the conference about? Prayer and fasting for the nation. Now watch this. The man began to describe to us the, 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 the amount of dollars he had used to buy his Bible. Then he put the Bible down. Then he came to his shoe. 
He described where he had bought it in Rome, in Italy. Then he put the shoe down. Then he came to his, 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 his jacket. Then he described where it had been bought. Then he put it aside. Then he came to his belt. Then he described his belt. Then he now began to describe his queen, the wife. What was going on? Vanity was going on. And what was leaving the room? The Holy Ghost was leaving the room. Men can meet God and be blessed by God till they build idols without knowing they have built idols. Families can meet God. Families can pursue God till they discover there is an idol we have raised knowingly or unknowingly. I know the idol in my family. My mother's side, I know the idol. I've been crying to God about it. I know the idol in my father's house. I don't know about you, but idols and God cannot mix. One of the reasons God brought out the children of Israel out of Egypt. Do you know one of the reasons? It was for them to be trained to go and smash idols in every land where God will take them. The idea of God was not just them to go and squat in Canaan and have a little life. No. The idea was, I want you to be my ambassadors in every nation. I want you to be a different group of people. And when you go, the Bible says, smash down their idols. Bring down their high places. Bring it down. Why must you bring it down? So that I can officially and now legally move in some of these nations. And pastor, there's nothing so painful like a poor man who is proud. Already you are poor. On top of it, you are proud. Now, even if we came from left or we came from right, how will we enter and help you? Even if you came from behind, we, have, we are officially locked out from helping you. The Lord wants to use you to bring down strongholds wherever you go. But he can send you even to another country and immediately you begin to spot idols around and you bring them down. But how can you bring the ones in foreign territories when you are on, you have not brought down? It's time to smash down idols. Not recklessly, with discernment. Oh, I'm sensing an idol of poverty. It is making people to forsake God and just dwell on how to get to survive. I am smashing it down. Oh, there's a family I went to. And I remember there was an, uh, there was an altar of bloodshed. Because... The founder of that family had once fought with his younger brother and he had killed him. And as a result, there was such a contention against that family because of an altar of bloodshed. The other day, a young girl came to me. I called her. After I came out of the altar, the Lord told me, call that girl. When she stood in front of me, she rushed to tell me, and I told her, wait, wait, wait. And I saw idols of Virgin Mary and, what do we call it? Joseph and all this nativity that Catholics, you know, do. And immediately the Lord told me, ask her, what is our relationship with Roman Catholicism? She told me, everybody in my family, excluding me, are Roman Catholics. I told her, this is the thing fighting against your breakthrough. There is an idolatry behind you called Roman Catholicism. 
And she broke down and we began to pray. I began to smash them. But the Lord told me she's the one to take direct responsibility and disconnect from those idolatries. There's a man, I want to mention his name. He's a leader in this nation. Immediately, he won the seat of election. Somebody went to court and he stopped it. And he was stopped. Then he went and appealed. Then the appeal allowed him to sit. After the appeal, another went to contest against the appeal. He was stopped. Now he went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court stopped. The first term was over. Second term, he won clean. Another man went to the lower court, challenged him. He was stopped. Then he went and appealed. He was stayed. Then a man again appealed against the appeal. And he was stopped. And I asked the Lord, what is going on with this honorable man? The Lord told me, the curse of illegitimacy is following him. Till it is broken, this man will never sit on that throne in peace. What was that thing? It was an idolatry. It was a thing rising against the knowledge of God. I ask again, how many are going to deal with idols? And how many are going to hate idols? Put your hands down. When the Lord blesses you, like he's already blessing some of you whom I'm seeing. One was even testifying. I almost use a Swahili word, but God save your servant. Now, when the Lord blesses you, the Lord Jesus say, when you throw a bash, when you throw a party, what do you do? Call the maimed, the blind, the poor, those who cannot repay you back. Why? Do you know why? They have no strength or even the intelligence to build you a monument. Many parties we invite men of equal status or men of higher status. Why? After that, they will go and build us a monument. Do you know how they build our monument? They share our goodness with fellow men. And therefore, our name is amplified. Not the name of the Lord, but our name. I want to spare you some trouble. Avoid publicity by all means. Avoid being in front by all means. Let you be pushed, but no, do not be eager for it. Why? It will keep you away from monumental traps of the devil. And many cannot go to the next level of glory because of monuments. A friend of mine went somewhere and a song was composed, Pastor, for him. A song was composed. <laughs> After that, there was a writing on the wall that the building has been dedicated to him. He came back limping. A monument had already sat on his shoulders. That was the last time the Lord allowed him to cast out devils. That was the last time the anointing of power rested upon him. We still serve the God of Peter the Apostle who said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, who is the Holy Spirit, I command you to rise up and walk. Man, listen to me. Some of you, you know, you are looking at yourself, you say, I, Pastor, a man of God, do you know how broke I am? That is today. Tomorrow nobody knows. 
But what we know is this, by faith, we know you are going to be very wealthy. We know you are going to be very great. Watch out against monuments. Watch out against these songs people sing for you. Watch out against these dedications people write to you. Watch out because before you know it, the accuser of the brethren will come and say, hey, hey, you cannot walk with that one. Leave me alone to walk with him. He has already broken the first commandment which says, thou shall not have any other God, neither shall you make any images to them, nor bow before them. On this one, I am clean as a prophet. I have seen what is awaiting some of you? And I'm already cleaning my hand by saying, I have warned you against monuments. Avoid them. Avoid monuments. Avoid dedications and commemorations. Oh, when I die, my grandchildren gather every Tuesday. <laughs> eh? When I do this, remember me. Avoid that, remember me. It will remove you from the place of significance. It is Saul who fought to be remembered. Did he get remembered? No. It is David who fought to, to be nothing before God. But yet, he became something. God swore that the kingdom and the throne will never depart from David. The man who was fighting to be nothing before God, God fought to make him something. I cannot overstress that. Lastly, and this I say with trembling, lastly, you have sought for peace, you have sought for authority, right? You have sought for peace, you have sought for authority, you have sought for an encounter. You have uh, demolished idols and smashed down every idol thing. The last thing you do to cement your location of greatness as a general Seek brokenness. Seek brokenness. When I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, one of the things that I really faced, 99% of the challenges I had were from the place of rejection. There was so much rejection on my life. I could go to an auntie's house rejection. I go to an uncle's house rejection. A day came even my, my mother's people say, we do not want to see this boy ever in our houses. I was not a thief. I was not indisciplined. I was not a poor performer in school. I had done nothing wrong except to be rejected by some spirits. When I went to church again, rejection came there. The pastor said, no, we don't want this holding of the mic and prophesying. Where did God speak to you about from? So the pastor also removed me out of influence in the church. And a godly woman of God came and asked me a question. I want to ask some of you. She asked me, my, my son, can you break water? Can you go and break water? I told her, no, that will be full handy. That will be, that will be stupidity. You can't break water. Then the Holy Spirit now spoke to me and told me, what do you say in English? As weak as water. And I discovered that weak things cannot be broken. Weak things, therefore, cannot be fought. Weak things cannot be wrestled with. Weak things cannot be overcome. Imagine you trying to overcome water. Water will just tell you, keep, keep kicking. 
and you'll kick to nothing. Imagine you trying to destroy water. Water will just look at you. You will keep twisting your own arm and becoming futile in your attempts. When she told me that, I remembered what I want to tell you. Can I tell you? I remember that to overcome unnecessary battles, go and plead weak before the Lord and say, Lord, I have nothing but you as help. Lord, fight for me. That is brokenness. And that is the time the Lord now reminded me, no, anytime they accuse you, don't begin to return words to their faces. Go and say, Lord, they are right. Be my right. Anytime they point fingers at you, tell them, Lord, go to the prayer place and say, Lord, you are my vindication. You are my shield. The Lord will begin to fight for you. That day, you will become broken. And a broken man, I tell you, is the most dangerous man ever on planet Earth. Because a broken man has a covenant of arbitration with God. The Lord now is his direct arbitrator. And since then, the battles did not end, but what ended was my pain. Since then, the battles did not fully, fully end, but what ended was the cycle of headaches I used to have. What ended was the cycle of confusion I used to have. What ended was the cycle of apprehension I used to have. When the Lord showed me that through brokenness, you can overturn any verdict. Through brokenness, you can overturn any cycle of oppression. Through brokenness. <laughs> One day I taught on tears. Remember that sermon? That, those of you who are there? And those who are not there can go look for the records eh, in the media. One of the symptoms of a broken man are tears. David was a, a tearful man. And you know, some of you think <clears throat> to be a man means to be strong and to be reserved and to be contained. But the Bible says Jesus did what? Wept. So the man of all men wept. The king of all kings wept. A man after God's own heart also wept. And I repeat it to you, man. There are places of greatness. Your insurance policy is not fasting and prayer. It is a broken spirit. It is a broken spirit. <laughs> 2009, a prophet came. We were in a group of about 12 people praying. And a prophet stood up. He told me, young man, the Lord is saying, from today... I have dispensed two angels to you. Anytime you really, really are pushed to the wall, break down and give them your tears, you will see disaster following your enemies. And I have tried that experiment a few times. And it has worked like magic. The other day, I think last year, there was an issue that really broke me almost to pieces. And the Lord told me, it is time now to utilize your angels. It is time to give them your tears. I hesitated and I, the Lord told me, this is the only way out. It is like the silver bullet. So I went to my house, located my usual spot, and I broke down. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray. Then I broke down. And as I broke down, 
I could see the angels shaking and shaking and shaking and flapping their wings and shaking. After 30 minutes, I got a phone call. The fellow for whose sake I was shedding tears was in deep, deep danger. The Lord told me, do not call back. The judgment has begun. Men, I'm not here to teach you how to be masculine and how to be macho men. Okay? And how to pretend you know it all. I want to tell you there's a place for the great ones. It is a place of brokenness. The Bible says when, oh God, when David was overthrown by his son Absalom, he removed his shoe, he rent his garments, and it, he, he rent his garments, and he went through the Kidron Valley barefoot, casting dust on his head. Do you know what that guy was doing? He was burying his son. Because after a few hours, Absalom was buried. Every general must have what you call a contingency and what we call a last contingency. Your first contingency is peace. Your second contingency is authority. Your third contingency is encounter. Your fourth contingency is the idols you have destroyed so that God is moving nonstop. Your last and most dangerous contingency is your brokenness. There are things I will never argue with flesh and blood by the grace of God. There are arguments I will never have with an individual by the grace of God. Because there is a covenant. And I think if the Lord made it with me, he can also make it with you. There is a covenant of tears I have with the Lord. When it really, really gets to it, and it really, really gets to it, all I will do is say, Lord, Words aside, tunes aside, English aside, even tongues of fire aside. This now calls for your king to be broken, to become like nothing, so that you can prove yourself through him. Absalom was ended before the bullet hit him because a man removed everything and he became nothing. And then he stepped aside and he watched God judge. We are leaving this place to go and pray, not just for this week, but for the rest of your life. We are leaving this place to go and pray, but to pray with revelation, to operate with revelation, to manifest revelation. And let me whisper this this is why you should fear people walking with God because you don't know their secrets. You don't know the secret of this man. You don't know the secret of this woman you see here. You don't know the secret of those sitting behind there. You don't know their secret. As a result, do not just rush to provoke them to pain or anger. Am I saying I'm in pain? No. Am I saying I'm angry because so and so has done this? No. I am just trying to teach you revelation and the things that will work for you in the place of prayer. 
The Bible says that point reached. Anna was now vibrating. <laughs> and Eli came and said, Hey, woman, put away your wine. Oh, my Lord, I am not, I am not drunk, but I am pouring sorrow from my soul. And because my soul has a language beyond my body, I cannot be hard to be speaking. But I am pouring out something. There are things which will be broken by vibrations of pain from the soul. And people who do not know what is going on, they make comment their comments. But after a while, when the results come, they will also want to be part of it. As I look forward to the day, all of this place will be full of sweat and tears. Not once in a month, but every week. Because either people are getting saved and they are crying for mercy from God or people are breaking some generational strongholds and they are crying to God or people are wrestling with the angel of blessing and they are crying to God till they break through and they are told, now you shall have Samuel and five other sons. That is the only time they rise up. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, in his days on earth, he used to offer loud petitions with wailings and tears to the only one who could save his soul from imminent uh, danger. There was a daily groaning from Jesus. Tell your neighbor, minimize your English. Minimize your vocabulary. So what is my encouragement to you? My encouragement is this. You can have your weaknesses and the Lord may still be working on them in your life. But one thing you should never lose, never lose brokenness. Because in the place of brokenness, you defeat enemies whose names you may never know in this side of eternity. You will only know them when you reach heaven. In the place of brokenness, you overthrow enemies you have no idea how to overthrow. Like David taking dust, throwing it on his, on his head, walking barefoot like, like a loser. Yet he's a king. And people, once in a while, maybe in your private place of prayer, you feel like removing your shoe or removing your cape or removing your coat. Okay? Or even putting aside your wallet. You feel like discharging something from your body just to connect properly to God. Do it because the spirit of brokenness has just come on you. When the spirit of brokenness come upon you, there are things you physically get rid of. That's the time you get rid of your notebook and your good PowerPoints of this is how I'm going to pray. You put them aside. That's the time you get rid of the phone and you put it on silence. That's the time you really, really get off the baggage because you want full brokenness which will bring you full results. Let me wear my spectacles and ask before I pray. How many from today you are going to commit to the spirit of brokenness. Thank you. And how many will teach others 
how to be broken. Let's be on our feet. to charge you briefly in prayer by telling you this. Jeroboam was ordinary. He was the son of a widow. But the son of a widow took the throne. We are decreeing today any limitation on your name, on your family, any limitation or disadvantage on your background, let it come to nothing. And let the throne you are meant to sit on begin beckoning for you. And right now, Lord Jesus, we decree, as you favored Jeroboam, you are beginning to favor your people. As you located Jeroboam, oh Lord, you are beginning to locate your people. We are removing them from the place of distrust and the place, my father, of oblivion and the place of fear. And we are planting your people in the place of peace. We decree peace in the name of Jesus. We decree peace even from the place of, 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 of turmoil. We remove them from turmoil. We remove them from mental turmoil. We remove them from emotional turmoil. We remove them from financial turmoil. We decree in the name of Jesus. The time for peace has come. Somebody the time for peace has come. It is time to have peace with our neighbors. It is time to have peace with our accountants. It is time to have peace with our banks. It is time to have peace with our children. We decree the time of peace has come. Lord Jesus we command let there be peace to those, to those places where there is no peace. Let there be peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be peace in the mighty name of Jesus. We decree the spirit of turmoil will be removed from our families. The spirit of accidents which bring turmoil will be removed. The spirit of bad reports will be removed. And peace shall come in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are the prince of peace. Wherever you went, there was peace. Wherever you stood, you brought peace. Even when you found those who are condemned to death, you still brought peace. And today we decree, Lord Jesus, you are intervening in every situation. Situations of bondages, you are intervening in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are intervening even to that man, even to that woman who has been judged and even cast aside. You are intervening and bringing peace. Just like you made the woman caught in adultery and you brought peace, we decree today the era of peace has begun. I decree the era of peace has begun. The era of stability has begun. The era of financial stability has begun. No more shall your people, Lord Jesus, even be wandering from one blender to another. From one lender to another. Borrowing on this platform and borrowing on that platform. The days of financial peace are here. I launch an era of peace. I decree peace in the name of Jesus. I decree peace in the name of Jesus. Peace must come. Peace must come between between brothers and brothers. Peace must happen between sisters and sisters. Peace must happen between parents and parents. Parents and children, peace. We announce peace. We announce peace. 
We announce peace in our government. We announce peace in our nation. We announce peace. Oh, peace in our sleep. Every spirit of, of sleep disorder. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Every spirit, even of sleep disorder. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Every spirit, even of food disorder. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Father, we announce peace. Let there be peace. Let there be peace in marriages. For those even seeking marriage, grant them marital peace in the Mataye Let them connect to their spouses in peace. Oh, Langaya Tarabahasha, Landele Lebebe Shandarosa, every turmoil, every disturbance, everywhere and tear, it must come to an end. Every mental wear and tear, it must come to an end. Men, let us claim peace. We claim peace, we claim peace. Oh, Robobo Shandarababa. Peace even with our enemies. Manehe satororobosha. Mege hetelelebe shando. Rubo hodali yamama sanda. Peace with the projects we are trying to do. Yendo robobo sanda. Peace with our destiny helpers. Mionde tedalaba shanda. Peace with our destiny helpers. Yatororobo shenterebesa. Peace amashetelebesha. Peace as we go out, as we come in. Oh yes Lord. Oh shakararabasaya. We cannot dwell in turmoil. It is time for peace. We cannot dwell in turmoil. We can do, we cannot dwell in upheavals. It is time for peace. It is time for peace. We are not dwellers. Oh, we are not dwellers of turmoil. We are dwellers of peace. Jerusalem is our city by faith. We decree our city is Jerusalem. The city of peace. Oh, Shatari Babasaya. Oh, Retayadalala Shanta. Oh, Robobobobo Santa Rababasaya. And now we gather authority, kingly authority, kingly authority, authority to walk through the same doors, authority to walk through the same projects, authority to walk through the same ideas, authority to walk through the same projects. We decree we have authority, we have power, but we also have authority. And now, in the name of Jesus, the kingly anointing begins to work in our lives. The kingly anointing begins to work in our lives. The kingly anointing begins to manifest in our lives. Oh Lord, raise kings in our midst. Oh Lord, raise kings in our midst. Oh Lord, raise kings, my father. Raise kings in this congregation. Oh Men who shall carry the kingly anointing. The anointing by which those will open. The anointing by which those will open. The anointing with which resources will move. Yes, Lord, kingly anointing. We decree authority. Authority in the places of, even of oppression. The very place of oppression. The very place of hardship. We decree authority. We have peace, but we also have kingship. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We have access by the virtue of kingship. 
We have access in the name of Jesus. We have access. We have revenue and resources. We have reached we have reached to places that were previously impossible. I decree a new elevation by the kingly anointing. A new elevation in the place of the market. A new elevation in the spiritual realm. A new elevation. A new elevation. We decree elevation. Elevation. Elevation by the kingly anointing. Elevation in authority. Elevation in rank. Elevation in influence. Elevation. Lord, you are advancing your people. Lord, you are advancing them in prayer. Lord, you are advancing them in power. Lord, you are advancing them in signs and wonders. Lord, you are advancing them in the status of life. Lord, you are advancing them in their place in society because of kingship, my father. Yes, Lord. And we pronounce divine encounters. Encounters that will never leave the people the same. Encounters with the Holy Ghost. Encounters with angels. Encounters with the prophets. Encounters with apostles. Encounters with the brethren. Encounters with the power of the living God. We decree encounters with the heavens. Encounters, my Shanta. We decree there will be encounters. We decree men will meet Jesus. Women will meet Jesus. Men will meet Jesus. Women will meet Jesus. Some will be taken on visions. Others will be taken to trances. Others will have dreams. Others will have visitations. But there will be visitations of power and encounter. We pronounce encounters. We pronounce encounters. Encounters with the supernatural in the mighty name of Jesus. Encounters when they go out. Encounters when they come in. We decree encounters. Saul will become Paul because of encounters. Abraham will become Abraham because of encounters. Simon will become Peter because of encounters. John and James will become sons of thunder because of encounters. We decree encounters. Encounters. We claim encounters in this house. Men to see the Lord seated on the throne. Men to see the river of life. Men to see the golden angels. Men to see the white doves and the white horses. Men to have heaven as an encounter in the mighty name of Jesus. Men to encounter the power of the blood. Men to see the second coming of Jesus. We claim it. We claim it. We claim encounters. We claim encounters. Materebe shanda. Ribo bobo latanaha. Mande hose kalanabashako. Ratelelebebe shekelelebesha. We decree encounters. Encounters of power. Encounters of the supernatural. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Rabo shakaha. Revelation of the Lord Jesus be your experience in this season in the name of Jesus. Revelation of the Holy Ghost be your experience in this season in the name of Jesus. 
Revelation of heaven be your experience in this season. In the mighty name of Jesus. It is time for faith to faith. It is time for glory to glory. The staircase Jacob saw. We must see it and climb on it. And ascend and descend in glory. Everything Jesus died to make us access. We are accessing in this season. We are accessing in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, encounter us. Spirit of God, encounter us. Reveal to us the wheels of glory. Reveal to us the sounds of glory. Reveal to us the might of glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands with me. There are idols I want to judge from this altar. The Bible calls them the works of the flesh. These are idols. Works of the flesh are spirits, because behind every, behind every adultery, there's a spirit of adultery. Behind fornication, there's a spirit of fornication. Behind uncleanliness, idolatry, witchcraft, all these are spirits. But they're not just spirits; they operate because there's an altar somewhere facilitating them. And this night, from this altar, we are going to crush these spirits. We are going to crush these idols. So, Father, in the name of Jesus. Whatever we permit in heaven is permitted on earth. And whatever we forbid in heaven is forbidden on earth. From this altar, we decree in the name of Jesus, the spirit of adultery and the idolatry of adultery is forbidden and destroyed in the mighty name of Jesus. Santa. Every lingering spirit of adultery Every plan of the spirit of adultery. We forbid it in the heavens. We forbid it on earth. We forbid it from this altar. We forbid it in the name of Jesus. We forbid the spirit of fornication. We bind it in the heavens. We bind it on earth. We bind it in the church. We forbid it in the name of Jesus. We forbid it in the name of Jesus. And every idolatry, even of uncleanliness, uncleanliness in the mouth of your people, uncleanliness in their thoughts, uncleanliness in their feelings, we bind it in heaven, we bind it on earth, in the name of Jesus. We bind lasciviousness, we bind it in the heavens, we bind it on earth, we bind it in the altar, we bind it in the church, in the name of Jesus. Oh, this is beautiful. Every altar of idolatry and every idol of idolatry we bind it in the heavens. We bind it on earth. We bind it in the church. We bind it in this altar. We bind it in our government. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
Every idolatry and the spirit of witchcraft, we bind it in the heavens. We bind it on earth. We forbid it from operating. Even in our midst, even in our churches, even in our government, we forbid witchcraft. We cast witchcraft in the name of Jesus. And every effect of witchcraft that is trying to work in our midst, that has been working in our families, the effects of witchcraft that has brought poverty, the effects of witchcraft that has brought limitation, the effects of witchcraft that has brought fear, we paralyze those effects, we reverse those effects in the name of Jesus Christ. We take authority, this is beautiful. Lay hands on your heart. Just one hand. We take authority over every spirit of hatred. Every spirit of hatred that is bringing racism, that is bringing tribalism, that is bringing nepotism, that is bringing every kind of division. We bind it in the heavens. We bind it on altar. We bind it in this altar. We bind it in the church. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we decree our children shall not be victims of hatred. Our women will not be victims of hatred. Our men shall not be victims of hatred. Our people shall not be victims of hatred. None is, for, is allowed to reject them. In the name of Jesus. And you brother, you sister who has been oppressed by hatred, who has been hated in your marriage or hated in your workplace or hated in your neighborhood, which we lose you from the chains of hatred. We lose you from those chains. We lose you now. We lose you now. We lose you now. We lose you now. In the name of Jesus. Every appointment you go for from today, let there be no hatred. Let there be no rejection. Let there be acceptance. Let there be acceptance. Let there be release in the name of Jesus. We take authority over variance. Every spirit of variance. Every idol of variance. We bind you in the heavens. We bind you on altar. We forbid you from the altar. We forbid you from the church. In the name of Jesus. We take authority over emulations. Every emulation in the heavens and even on earth. We bind emulation in the heavens. We bind it on earth. We bind it in the church. We bind it from the altar in the name of Jesus. Lay hands again on your heart. Lord Jesus, we take authority over wrath. We decree in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of wrath and every idolatry of wrath. We bind it in the heavens. We forbid it on earth. We bind it in this altar. We refuse it in our lives. In the name of Jesus. And any partner or neighbor or boss who is full of wrath, we deliver them today in the name of Jesus. We deliver them by fire in the name of Jesus. We deliver them from wrath in the name of Jesus. We deliver them now in the name of Jesus. Strife and seditions and heresies. We bind you in the heavens. We bind you on earth. We forbid you in the heavens. We forbid you on earth. In the name of Jesus. And now by the authority of the name of Jesus. We forbid you.
from being harassed by any envy, from being harassed by any seditions, from being harassed by any heresy. We forbid you now from being harassed by those spirits right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive your deliverance from wrath. Receive your deliverance from envy. Receive your deliverance from seditions in the mighty name of Jesus. Every spirit of murder, we have seen you in our nation. But today we bind you. We bind you in the name of Jesus. We bind you in the heavens. We bind you on the earth. We bind you on our roads. We bind you on the highways. We bind you in the forests. We bind you on the rivers. We bind you in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. Every mark of murder upon you or any of your loved ones, we arrest it by the blood of Jesus. Any mark of murder, murder on any organ, we arrest it by the blood of Jesus. Any mark of murder, we have attacked it in the name of Jesus. Drunkenness and revelings, we take authority over you now. We bind you in the heavens, we bind you on earth, and we operate you. We command you now, leave our young people, leave them in the name of Jesus. Leave them in the name of Jesus. And we prophesy by faith, by the virtue of revival that is coming on this land. Every place of drunkenness shall run dry. Every investment of drunkenness shall fall down in the mighty name of Jesus. And any marriage that was meant to be destroyed by drunkenness. We salvage it now. We salvage it now. Any career that was to be destroyed by drunkenness, we salvage it now. In the mighty name of Jesus, any potential and skill and opportunity that was to be destroyed by drunkenness, we salvage it now. In the name of Jesus. And we announce in the name of Jesus, drunkenness and any kind of it shall not operate near us. It shall not operate in our siblings. It shall not operate in our children. We forbid it in the name of Jesus. And any altar raised to debauchery and every kind of uncleanliness, we decree in the name of Jesus. You altar, you are destroyed from today. You are destroyed from today. The name of Jesus. I want us specifically to personally take responsibility for vanity. Vanity is when you eat for the sake of it, you drink for the sake of it, you dress for the sake of it, you spend for the sake of it. You even pray for the sake of it. From today, nothing in your life is going to be vanity. Lord, we preserve our lives through the blood of Jesus and we refuse vanity. We refuse vanity. Mm. I wish, I wish some of you, you had your medical card. We could agree with you right now. I wish some of you, you had your medical card. And you are like, Lord, enough of giving money to these people. By your stripes, I want to be healed. By your stripes, I want to be healed. Enough of this. 
Enough of this. Enough. 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 Akatayoshata. Enough. Ariyoto Roboshanta. Enough. Mayeto Roboshanta. Enough. Mayoto Roboshanta. Enough. 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 Enough of any vanity in my health. Enough of any vanity in my eyes. Enough of any vanity in my ears. Enough of any vanity. Enough. 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 Akashuto Robozia. Enough. Mashekelelebeshanta. Enough of being sick and admitted. Enough for being operated. Enough for being injected. Enough, enough, enough. You spirit of infirmity, lose the people of God. Leave the people of God. Yes, Lord. We put a stop to every vain expenditure. We put a stop. We put a stop to the vain expenditures and vain consultations and vain inquiries and vain second opinions. We put a stop to them. We sanctify our money. We sanctify our money now. We sanctify our resources. We sanctify our fortunes. It will not go to the heathens. It will not go to the heathens. It will not go to vanity. It will not go. We refuse to treat diseases. We refuse to treat sicknesses. We refuse it. You spirit of infirmity, leave our church. Leave our land. Leave our families. Leave. We refuse to budget for infirmity. We refuse to budget for sicknesses. We refuse it in the name of Jesus. We refuse to budget for infirmity. We refuse to budget for sicknesses. We refuse it. And by faith, we return every bracelet. By faith, we return every crutches. By faith, we return every report. By faith, we return every sample. By faith, we return every infection. By faith, we return every infection. In the name of Jesus, we return to sender. We return to sender. Who is the devil himself? We return it back to him. In the name of Jesus. I'm feeling so angry. This is war, people. This is war. Initially, cancer was a demon in this nation. Now it seeks to be a principality. But today, we cut down cancer to size. We cut it down 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 to size. We cut it down. Your head will not grow cancer. Your mouth will not grow cancer. Your feet will not grow. You will not enter homes. You will not enter villages. You will not enter bodies. You will not enter. You will not enter the cities. You will not enter. You will not enter. Cancer will cut you down. We cut your children down. We cut your source down. We cut you down. We cut you down. Every prominence you are receiving, we refuse it. We cut you down. We cut you down. In the name of Jesus, we cut cancer down. <laughs>